It's almost the end of 2020, and it's been an intense year. People have suffered all kinds of loss from the global pandemic. Wildfires devastated large parts of the Western United States. And a U.S. presidential election had everyone waiting as election day turned into election week. How will we ever be able to fully explain this year to future generations? What is it like to try to move forward, to try to grow something when we're surrounded by death? And what if that something you're trying to grow is another human? Just as the pandemic began, Wired editor Zach Jason found out that he and his wife Kristen were expecting a baby. So they started recording voice memos and jotting notes to their future child. This is Get Wired. I'm your host, Lauren Good. And today on the show, we have a different kind of look back on a very different kind of year. Here's Zach. Dear baby, dear Leona, as you were a zygote dancing toward your mother's uterus, we worried, would going to the ballet kill us? It was March 7th, 2020. Two people in San Francisco had tested positive for the coronavirus, 400 or so in the US. We knew that it killed old people more than young. We knew little more, and few had yet lived to tell stories of survival. In one of those anxious nights before the ballet, we made you. Gross, I know, but I want you to know that you are technically not a corona baby. You were conceived in liberty, what uneven liberty there was just a few days before lockdown. Seeing the Joffrey Ballet was probably the deadliest thing we've done all year. It's the ballet. The average attendee was about 83 years old. They wheezed elbow to elbow in just about all of Zellerbach Hall's 2,000 seats. Zero people wore masks then, even in Berkeley. But... Your mother's been dancing since she was three, and I've come to love the ballet through her love. So we went. The final performance of the night was called The Times Are Racing, choreographed by Justin Peck during the 2016 election. Another fretful time I hope will seem foreign to you. The piece is set to a grisly, frenetic electronica score from Dan Deacon's album, America. 20 dancers in sneakers and streetwear weave the willowy grace of classical ballet with tap, modern, and the arcade game Dance Dance Revolution. They flail, fold, tumble, twist, pound, pulsate, writhe, and wriggle in and out of one another. The contortions of one dancer are mimicked and mutated by two, by four, by twelve, a contagion of chaotic motion. In the final moments, the nameless protagonist becomes a convulsing dervish, breaking down, breaking through spinning and twitching violently to primal percussion and synthesizers that sound like a gaggle of tiny robots squawking at one another until he leaps and falls into the arms of all the others.
We all knew on some level we were risking our lives to see this celebration of life. Even though not a single large gathering was yet banned, I think we also suspected this might be the last time, for a long time, we would be in a theater and feel the fragile magic of our humanity, a kind of magic that only works in a crowd. Then the times raced, and the virus took that magic away. Number of cases in the state of California is 53, and that has required me to uh, advance a proclamation of a state of emergency in the state of California. Shows stopped, restaurants closed, funerals went virtual. On March 11th, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. Pandemic is not a word to use lightly or carelessly. The city shut down, then the country, and the death toll climbed. On March 26th, few seemed to know if lockdowns were helping. The president was urging for the country to be opened up and raring to go by Easter, while some were predicting tens of thousands dead by Easter. So I can say we will see more cases and things will get worse than they are right now. We were at peak uncertainty. I was wearing winter gloves to touch doorknobs, leaving packages outside our door for two days, fidgeting for my phone nearly every hour to check and marvel at the rising case count, the world's grimmest scoreboard. That night, while we waited for the water to boil to cook mushroom ravioli, your mother peed on a stick, and we found out you were on the way. This is your father? Hi, it's your mom. (laughs) I don't know. Should we be addressing her? Yeah. Yeah? This is for you. Right. For her. Your mother and I had been together for over 10 years. Our love first bloomed in college, where I watched her pirouette in the student ballet. We talked until 3 in the morning in the basement office of the newspaper munching mozzarella sticks and sipping milkshakes. We had been planning on having you for some time. We had even thought March might be an ideal month to make you, so we could still attend our friend's wedding in the summer, though the virus would eventually postpone that wedding. Your arrival overwhelmed us with weepy hope for the future at the exact moment the future seemed darkest. Would there even be places to get mozzarella sticks or milkshakes? Would the recession take away our jobs just before we added a third non-working roommate? Would the virus take away family before they could meet you? You're surrounded by stuffed animals that we call the friends. I'm looking at our mirror in what will be your corner of our bedroom when you come into the world. At first, we really didn't know how to talk to you. I don't know if that's really worth Remembering. Um, I think so. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Maybe these recordings will help you understand the world you were born into. Maybe they'll just help explain why your dad was so woefully unprepared to raise you. Wicked is a phrase from our homeland in Massachusetts. It means very. Very. <laughs> yeah. Hella is the equivalent in California. Uh, where you're soon to be born. Yes. 
No offense to Californians, but I prefer Wicked. It felt like the world was falling apart, and now I was trying to find a fatherly confidence. There's a whole industry of books and apps now that try to help men learn to become dads. But so far, I found them to be kind of gross, misogynistic, and useless during a pandemic. On my telephone, I have an app called Daddy Up. (laughs) And it gives fathers-to-be advice on how to act with mothers-to-be. And this week, the tip is don't check out the young waitress during your date. What's that? You didn't notice her? Perfect. Yikes. Well, there's no no restaurant to, to go to even check out a young waitress. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting a... I don't even know what this face is you're giving me. It's in the Glare family. I struggle to find the words to describe the coronavirus to you. It's totally upended our lives, changed our daily routine from a regular commute to the office to instead working in our individual stuffy cocoons. Work has slowed down so much because there's a a sickness. Um, It's contagious and so many people in the world gotten sick and are trying to avoid getting sick that a lot of people are losing jobs. The gift of you on the way is buoying me from the bad news all around. But with the bad news all around, the possibility of a miscarriage always hums in the background. We don't yet want to make your arrival more real by telling anyone else or to get their hopes up with rare good news this year, only to add to the bad news. But this morning, we saw you for the first time. Your mother visited the OBGYN. I wasn't allowed in. Then your mother called while I made coffee in the kitchen. Her face on the screen covered with an N95 mask we had, left over from past wildfires, and said, want to see something cool? There you were, a fuzzy white connect piece floating in the darkness. As I looked at you on the screen within a screen, a gremlin from an unknown planet, I fluttered with joy, even as I feared how unknown our planet would look when you arrived. I've known you were real for weeks because I see you torment your mother's body. She turns off the camera on Zoom and rushes to the bathroom with morning sickness. She can't drink at all and yet constantly feels hungover. A terrifying blessing of cocooning with your mother at home while you cocoon within her is I can witness her in work mode. This is going to build on research insights that we've already started to collect in those rapid iterations. She becomes a ruthlessly efficient creature, managing a team anxious and separated in a pandemic with empathy and diplomacy, and unspooling MBA terms like OKRs, downscoping, and rapid iteration. This metric is consistent with some of the conversion rates that we saw in our May and June betas. Your mother is something few of the daddy apps reckon with, a breadwinner. She's the reason we can afford to rent the one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco that will soon be your home. What's the one thing you want our child to know about today? The clouds looked beautiful over the Golden Gate Bridge for much of the day have nested just right around it. 
ebbing and flowing. There's usually a, a little cloud cover that hugs the bridge. And that's a pretty beautiful thing to see. Today, bedroom, bathroom, bedroom alcove, kitchen, living room. Kitchen. What am I doing to help? What am I doing to be a good father to you? Working odd hours, hunched on the couch and kitchen counter, constantly tracking the death toll on Twitter, sitting on the toilet and watching a dingus review pizzas. Book, phone, laptop, phone. The other day, your mother told me, only half jokingly, you've never been so present while being so absent. Some people are apparently writing plays and attaining nirvana while quarantining. I'm rotting my mind, just as I'm about to become a father. Bedroom alcove, living room, bathroom, bedroom. 47,000 new COVID cases today. We're going to take a short break. But when we come back, Zach and Kristen record their notes on apocalyptic weather events, COVID tests, and presidential meltdowns, all while waiting for the baby to arrive. You are now the size of a crazy-legged tree frog, says the Daddy Up app. And as your eardrums develop, you may be starting to hear sounds. Apparently you can hear my voice as of this week. I'm not sure if you can hear my voice or all voices around you. Yeah, what kind of sound buffering do they If you can hear voices outside this summer, you'd hear people raising theirs against police brutality and racist violence. I watched a video on Twitter of an NYPD officer approaching a protester on the street. He calls her something I won't repeat and assumes an athletic stance for leverage and then launches her into the ground. As she curls up, dazed and clutching her head, the camera turns to the officer walking away, meaty arms swinging the way baseball players did, walking from the showers back to their dorm rooms in college. The strut of tools. I imagine you protesting 20 years in the future and felt the officer hurl you into the pavement. I was dizzy with rage, a new feeling. So there's probably layers of goo that's not making it easy for you to hear everything. We stream pregnancy cardio classes on YouTube channels like Body Fit by Amy. In one exercise class, both of us obeyed commands to lift a phantom blueberry with our vaginas. Round it up. If you can get those knees out wide, open up the hips a bit. And again, if you can't go down as far, if that baby bump's getting in the way, that's okay, we'll go one more. We take the Mayo Clinic's virtual birthing classes, and now I fully understand how a generation of students are falling behind in school on Zoom. Your maternal grandparents are so eager to meet you when you arrive that they're considering renting an RV, driving it across America, and then driving you, your mother, and I back to their home in Massachusetts. As much as it pains me to keep your grandparents from holding you, I say we wait for a vaccine. A week on I-80 
with a brand new newborn and most truck stops closed could ruin two marriages and permanently stunt your development. We went to an ultrasound, my 20 week ultrasound to check in on you, make sure that you were looking like a little muffin in an easy bake oven and you were. This is the first appointment that your dad and I have gone to together. First time I've been allowed from the, the pandemic that's been going around. Dads haven't been allowed in to a lot of buildings. Yep. We saw your spine. So your spine curving. We saw you squirming. We saw you <laughs> outstretch your hand. We have now currently have five active fires that are five of the most destructive in the history of the state. Uh, we just came out August, the hottest in recorded history. The debate is over around climate change. Just come to the state of California. September 9th, wildfires as big as states are growing all around us. We woke up to a charred orange sky and the Saturn dusk didn't give way to day until three in the afternoon. The whole Bay Area was like this. It was hard to do anything but ogle out the window. Something about the sun, smoke, and fog and prismatic cahoots created the unholy color. Before stepping out into the orange city, I checked the AQI, the air quality index. Like the virus count in election polls, another number I've been checking daily to know how to breathe. With the wildfires, California has had the worst air on earth. Beyond worrying about our health, I'd also read a terrifying article about how smoke exposure to babies may do damage to the developing lungs that they may never recover from. The sky looked like HE double hockey sticks, but somehow the smoke was all up above and the air down here was pristine. Lots more people out and about midday since the pandemic began, all of us magnetized to the death heavens. I just checked the Daddy Up app now before bed. You're the size of a raccoon torso. I'm not even going to question it. It feels right at this point. Orange president, orange sky, not knowing where the smoke ends and the fog begins, deadly virus still swelling, and a decapitated raccoon growing inside my wife. They're using a lot of caution, given that the patient is the president of the United States. October 3rd. I've been fixated on the president's health about four times as much as you and your mother's. Two weeks ago, Supreme Court Justice and women's rights crusader Ruth Bader Ginsburg died at the age of 87. Marriage was a relationship of a dominant male to a subordinate female. Would that be a choice that a state should be allowed to have? No. Cling to marriage the way it once was? Her deathbed wish was to not be replaced until a new president is installed. One week ago, the current president held a party celebrating the nomination of her replacement, a staunchly conservative justice. Now many have the virus, the president included. The election is one month from today, and the president is being treated in a hospital he was flown to. Will he die? Did he infect his competitor, Joe Biden, when he screamed at last week's debate? Because the question is, the question is, the question left. Will you shut up, man? Your mom and I are nervous about the future of our country and our family. 
It's November 3rd, uh, Tuesday. Tomorrow you are at 37 weeks. Uh, and that's the only significance of today. Yeah, that's the only thing going on today. And the whole country yeah. is waiting for the clock to strike midnight. So we can celebrate you becoming 37 weeks. Dixfield Notch is voting how big you're going to be. What else is actually going on tonight? It's the national election. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, the national election. The PBS ticker shows Biden ahead 209 to 118. How are you feeling? Tired. How about you? Uh, probably tired, but too anxious to feel that. Okay, you can add a rump roast to your stomach and see how awake you feel. This is true. <laughs> election day became election week, which has felt like decent preparation for parenthood. Waking up in the middle of the night, hearing a lot of tantrums about unfairness. The president has been ranting about allegations of fraud. But today, people across the country are gathering outside to celebrate the president-elect. Horns honk outside our window. People lift their dogs and children into the air. They sing and dance. Do you think we'll observe Thanksgiving this year? So you are due to enter the world the day before Thanksgiving. So I will make a turkey <laughs> and walk it down, um, even though your mom is vegetarian. I'll walk it eight blocks from our apartment to the hospital. 20 pounder, I'll keep checking on it every 30 minutes. Basting it on Basting every it. step of the way. We've been vigilant about avoiding the virus, wearing masks and gloves when we do step outside, avoiding everyone. But early on, the garbage part of my brain kept making an unscientific gamble. What if I just touched a contaminated banana at the grocery store or a counter at the coffee shop? Maybe I'd just get a wee bit of the virus, suck it up with a sore throat, sleep on the couch away from your mother for a couple weeks, and then I'd be free free to fearlessly walk into the store to pick up whatever you and your mother needed, free to visit family, free of worrying that I'd catch the virus now and spend your birth in the ICU. The non-garbage part of my brain quickly snuffed out this lunacy. I could die. Your mother could die. I could infect an unknown number of people. Now I'm going right now um, to get a test for the coronavirus. Um, I haven't been tested this whole time. But we learned a couple days ago that someone who works at the front desk of our building um, tested positive. This is exactly what I feared at the very beginning, that I would be fine the whole time and get the virus just before you came and I would be kicked out of the hospital and not be able to see you be born. Hi, Hi how's it going? Very well, thank you. I'll be helping with the COVID swab. Great. For the swab, one small swab just yep. inside each nostril. Okay. Time to get the results in about two, maybe three days. Okay. And we'll message Sounds you on good. the app as soon as we get that. Sure thing. Okay. All right, I'll put that down. 
feel a little uncomfortable here. You're doing great. I'm gonna go the other side here. Okay. A couple more seconds and done. Perfect. <laughs> okay. It's gotten better, but yeah. it still feels a that's, little uncomfortable. That's not so right? bad, yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Have a good rest of your day. Though. You too. Okay. That's it. I'm done. Yeah, it wasn't nearly as uncomfortable as someone made it out to be. It's like someone tickling you with a pipe cleaner um, halfway up your nose. A wet pipe cleaner. Um. <clears throat> now I was in the position that millions of people have been in this year, waiting for the results of my COVID test. I checked my medical app every hour the way I had the case numbers at the beginning of the pandemic. How the heck would I watch her birth over FaceTime? Could a nurse hold up a camera? I was afraid of leaving your mother alone in one of the most pivotal moments of her life. Then I woke up one morning to a notification from my medical app and rolled over in bed and told your mom, we're good, it's negative. Where are we going? We are going to an ultrasound because you are measuring bigger than your week, which means my stomach looks like it's a stomach of a 40 week pregnant woman even though you're only 38 weeks. Yeah, we have many indications that you are, will be a big baby. Yes. <laughs> right out of the womb. Which my doctor says will help you sleep better. So that's good if that's true. So take this note from the, from the womb, sleep, sleep well. <laughs> um, but we uh, are finding out if you're on a path where you're potentially too big and we need to keep an eye on inducing you, which means Intentionally bringing you into the world sooner. Hello. How are you? Hi. Hi. How's it going? I am good. How are you guys? Good. Pretty good. All right. You are there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close. <All> right. <laughs> okay. So, um, Doc wanted to check the size one last time. Did you deliver? Yeah. They thought that maybe your belly was measuring a little ahead of schedule, or is it? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was at 38 when I went in last, and they were like, "She's already at 40." So. All right, let's see that belly. Okay. Oh, oh wow. Okay, so it's a big kid. <laughs> this is the biggest kid I've seen in a really long time. Wow. Wait, you're almost 10 pounds? Yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Wow. It turns out that you're big enough that we have to schedule a C-section. Right now, I'm sitting in your nursery, recording myself, reading this letter to you the day before the operation, the day before your birthday. Tomorrow morning, your mother and I will wake up. We'll get coffee together for the last time where it's just your mom and me before we're parents. We'll drive eight blocks to the hospital we have to get there two and a half hours early because your mother now has to take a COVID test. That looked further up there than mine went. Up there. She'll find out very quickly. We'll go to the maternity ward. They will make a few incisions on your mother's tummy. 
and open her and out will come you and I will see you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's only 20 hours away. Um, I can't quite believe it. We'll meet you tomorrow. When I pictured seeing you for the first time, I picture myself falling to the floor, falling to my knees. I have no idea what hair color you'll have. I have no idea what your face will look like, what your toes and hands will look like. We'll be wearing a mask. (laughs) I'll be sobbing through my mask, I imagine. Um, I hope you know those tears are of joy, that you are a beacon of goodness in a most strange, difficult year. I can't wait to meet you. I like to imagine a not-so-distant future, once you're grown up and able to listen to this, when you'll roll your eyes and dismiss our memories of the time your mother was pregnant with you, the pandemic, the wildfire, smoke choke, Saturn skies, the feeling that our country was collapsing. I hope it all sounds like an unrelatable fairy tale. It was all real. By the way, you could have been conceived the day after the ballet. We'll never know. Whenever there's an unsolvable mystery, why we're here, what happens when we die, you get to choose what to believe. And I hope you choose to believe what propels you forward. I choose to believe you were there that night, dancers dancing at the end of the old world as you started to dance into a new one. Thanks for listening to Zach's Story. Get Wired is hosted by me, Lauren Good. You can follow me on Twitter at Lauren Good. This episode was reported by Zach Jason, and you can follow him on Twitter at Zach Jason. That's Z-A-K for Zach. Special thanks to Kristen House and Leona Jason for sharing your earliest days as a family. Thanks also to Megan Herbst and Jess Gramuglia. This episode was produced by Mickey Capper, Anna Stitt, Ben Montoya, and Asia Simpson. Mixing and scoring was done by Hannes Brown, and our theme music is by Allison Leighton Brown. Thanks to Dan Deacon for allowing us to use his music, USA, from his album, America. His music is available from Domino Records. Nina Gensler-Debs, Sarah Fallon, and Megan Greenwell edited this episode. Scott Rosenfield is Wired Site Director, and our Editor-in-Chief is Nicholas Thompson. You can sign up for podcast updates at wired.com forward slash podcast email. Thanks again for listening and for joining us for this season of Get Wired. We want to leave you with one last six-word sci-fi for the year. 
Every month, Wired asks all of you to send us sci-fi stories told only in six words. And on the podcast, we've been making audio versions of some of our favorites. Here's our producer, Asia Simpson. This week, our six-word sci-fi comes from Deb S. The theme is an apocalypse with a happy ending. Dinosaurs return. This time as pets. Ah! 